안녕하세요, 여러분. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Motivate Korean podcast. My name's Ian, and I'm back in the studio today with Matthew, whom you may know from videos on the Motivate Korean YouTube channel, the Motivate Korean Sotodibang on Facebook, or his own YouTube channel over at Korean Source. In this episode, we're going to talk about learning environments, risk versus reward, and why you should spend less time behaving and more time out playing. Let's get started. All right, hello, everyone. Just want to say thank you again for bringing me back into the studio out here in, in lovely, sunny Gimhae. We're in, we're in the living room again. <laughs> we're not going to lie to you. But uh, we are uh, back from a brief break. I had a quick international trip. I had to take care of some business. And now I'm uh, back in the land of the morning calm. So um, what are we talking about today, Matthew? Why'd you bring me all the way out here? Well, the main thing that's been on my mind lately is basically the importance of play in language learning. Play? Yeah, play. Something that I think is actually really underrated and maybe undervalued by a lot of us. It's easy to forget how important play actually is. So what, what, who, who made you start thinking about play? What, what inspired this? Well, I've been watching a lot of stuff recently, people talking about not just how to learn better, but motivation and overcoming plateaus and just how to be... A better person and a better learner. Like general personal development stuff, like that kind of broad strokes. Yeah, that kind of okay. idea. Um, one of them who's really actually been getting a lot of, um, or stirring up a lot of thoughts in me re- recently and really been motivating me and getting me excited about learning is uh, David Epstein. Okay, and who's that? What 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 is he talking about? Well, he's an interesting guy because he's his life has really taken a lot of different twists and turns mm-hmm. but he's always maintained a very open attitude towards learning and try not to get stuck in one thing and a big part of his theory if i can call it that but his um, i don't know his kind of motto is just the kind of importance of maybe generalizing over specializing especially in the modern world in general but i thought that this actually had a lot of relevance to language learning mm-hmm. and to play um, because play is almost by definition, it doesn't have to be specialized or focused in on anything. It's just, it's whatever you want it to be. It's very general. So when we say play, like, let's, let's make sure we're, we're on the same page so our, our lovely listeners know what we're talking about. So when we say play, what does that mean to you? I know what it means to me, but I'm curious, like when you, when you talk about play, are we talking about like kids running around on the playground? Are we talking about like exploratory actions? What are, what are, we, what are we looking at here? I would say, yeah, it's kind of, it could be structured or unstructured, but I guess it's just basically free exploration of whatever activity it is that you're doing at the moment. Like a free form approach to, as opposed to like a structured kind of approach to learning. Yeah. It or could, just anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's just really about exploring, being open to exploration and to, mm-hmm. to changes, things that might be unexpected and, okay. and even maybe relishing those unexpected challenges. Okay. So. So we've been talking about play. We've defined play. Why is it important? Well, because of its unstructured nature, um, play, I think it, it prepares us for a lot of different types of situations in whatever it is that we're doing. And when you look at, for instance, like if we, if we take kids, like as you mentioned before, like, you know, kids playing, um, it, could, it could literally mean that kind of play, just like running around outside, having fun. Um, and one example that has come up quite a bit recently when I'm watching stuff of uh, 
David Epstein talking, like his interviews and things, is he'll, he gives a lot of examples of top athletes who have gotten to where they are, not because they focused on this one thing from when they, when they were like three years old, like Tiger Woods, let's say, but actually because they were doing all kinds of different sports and things, and they didn't necessarily focus on that one thing, but they, they accumulated all of these different skills from different areas. And when they finally did decide to specialize in something, it actually made them a really strong player, much stronger than even a lot of their um, colleagues. I guess that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, we don't, make you know sports players for example we don't make them play one fixed position until they're much older like i remember when i was young and played t-ball as a you know good american i gotta play baseball right so i played t-ball when i was younger and i remember playing center field i remember playing second base uh being the catcher like they have you running all over the place and doing a little bit of everything there's no expectation to specialize for children but I definitely feel that we kind of stop playing at a certain point, don't we? Yeah, we we do. Yeah, because we're we're told by society in general, education, all kinds of things to basically pick one thing and stick with it. And you aim to like 20 or 30 years in the future. You want to have this like super long term goal of what you want to become. And the idea is that you just basically march towards that no matter what happens. Like that's your goal. So I think I see where you're going with this in regards to language learning. A lot of people have a goal, right? And goal setting is important. I don't think that we're trying to say that setting goals is an unimportant part of any kind of learning. However, as someone who teaches English speaker or teaches Korean people how to speak English here in Korea, and as someone who now teaches English speakers how to speak Korean, everyone's got this goal of, I want to speak like this person. I want to be able to do this thing. And that's it. I want to go on a vacation to the United States and I want to be able to speak to part-time workers at fast food restaurants. And so there's not a lot of room for play there, is there? They don't play. They sit and focus on just that one thing and they march toward that one goal thinking they're going to end up like Tiger Woods. I yeah, think. that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when talking about play, creating generalists versus specialists, people. so generalists being someone who's good at a lot of things as opposed to being great at one thing, yeah. I think, is what we're going for. Yeah. How can we apply this play and specialization and generalization and all this kind of stuff uh, to language learning? Well, to understand how it applies, I think first we have to cover the type of activity that language learning is to understand its essence. So Epstein, he talks about uh, these two different types of learning environments. They call them in psychology kind and wicked learning environments. Those are great names. Like the Wicked Witch of the whatever cardinal direction is not copyright protected. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, I, I love it too. It's just, it's easy to remember and it's it applies to pretty much everything. Uh, so the difference is a kind learning environment is one in which basically the rules never change. It's very structured. It's predictable. It's regular. Uh, like chess, uh, you know, is one example of that. And that's also one of the reasons why actually chess was one of the first things to be a computer or um, what's the word? One of the first things that we taught computers how to yeah. do. Yeah. Or where we tried yeah. to put ourselves up against computers. Yeah. Because yeah. ironically, yeah, because it's, you know, what's his name? Gary Kasparov, I think. There was that big uh, yeah. match in the 90s, right? That was, it was a shock to people because they thought, well, chess, surely no computer would ever learn how to play that. Right. But now we know in hindsight, because chess, is a kind learning environment. It never changes. It's regular. It's structured. 
that's actually one of the reasons why it's so easy for computers to learn how to do it. And so that's the kind learning environment. And the wicked learning environment is one where the rules constantly change. Nothing is really fixed. It's unstructured. You might have to, uh, the situation changes from day to day or even moment to moment. And one example that I really liked uh, of this is like, if you look at in Brazil, for instance, or countries where they, they play a lot of futsal as kids, that actually makes them better soccer players in the end than if they had just focused exclusively on soccer because they're picking up all these different skills playing futsal like they're they're playing on all different types of terrain uh they're playing on um you know it could be the road conditions could be like terrible it could be playing on like grass it can be playing on dirt on sand uh the ball itself is of course smaller and heavier so when they finally get to soccer it seems like it's a piece of cake the ball is like seems massive and it's like feather light so that's a good example of how the skills transfer like when you're used to a really wicked learning environment to take those skills to a kinder one or a more structured one actually makes it feel easier than if you had only been in that realm. So for people who are traveling to and from Korea or really anywhere in the world, keeping your personal and financial information safe is extremely important. We all know that. Here in Korea, there's an expectation of free Wi-Fi just about everywhere. And scammers can prey on that expectation pretty easily. That is why we use NordVPN wherever we are. It protects you, your personal and your financial information, as well as your internet devices, like I said, no matter where you are. Uh, VPNs are pretty much a basic necessity for expats living in Korea. They're the only way you can access certain banking and government services back home while you're in Korea. So if you use our coupon code MOKO, M-O-K-O, at nordvpn.com slash MOKO, you can get 70% off a three-year plan plus an extra month free. So that brings the price down to like $3.49 a month. Part of that will also go towards helping us expand this channel and provide you with more content just like this. Thanks again to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of the Motivate Korean Podcast. So I think I can guess which kind of learning environment language learning is, and it's... uh. It rhymes with wicked. It's wicked. <laughs> yeah, it is. It. I should say too, like it doesn't necessarily have to be depending on how you study it because one of the things I want to talk about today, like related to play and wicked learning environment um, has to do with, for instance, like people who might rely a little bit too much on the textbook series or the video series that they're using and not getting enough interaction with native speakers. In that situation, language learning becomes a kind environment. It's not really how you're going to be using that language in the real world. That's true. I mean, the, the longer you speak with someone too, like over days and weeks and the, the closer relationship you build with another person, the kinder the learning environment gets because just it's kind of a natural thing that humans do is we figure out what other humans know. And we know that other humans know things that we don't know. You know, we have a basic theory of mind and as you build a relationship with someone, you figure out how to communicate better and better. And so the environment becomes kinder and kinder. The rules of, of your conversation become more defined because they know where the limits of your language skill are because they've kind of poked around and found them. And same goes the other way. Like, you know, what, what to what degree you can express yourself and be understood um, when you're when speaking with someone 
with whom you only share one common language. And so you can make the environment kinder over time, but at first is wicked. Yeah. No, is wicked bad. It's rough. Yeah. And that's, I guess, part of the, um, the message of today's episode would be just kind of accepting that nature of it because you will, it doesn't just apply to sports, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, but it's, it's true, I think, for anything that at first it might seem harder and it might seem like you're not making progress because you're just like, quote unquote, playing. You might just be like enjoying a lot of stuff in the language, picking up all these random skills, random words. But in the long term, that's actually preparing you for the reality of language, which is that, you know, you might not be speaking to your friend who you've always talked to. You might just have to like all of a sudden like deal with a, a person who has a completely different accent or a different way of speaking from what you're used to. So, for example, when I was first starting, I didn't, of course, I didn't know about these terms kind and wicked learning environments. But now in hindsight, when I look back, I realized I had basically intentionally created for myself a very wicked learning environment because I was just playing constantly with Korean. I was just enjoying myself. I didn't have a textbook that I was working with. I wasn't using like online courses. I was just literally enjoying Korean um, in the broadest sense of the word. I was having fun with it. And it was completely unstructured. And I remember at one point, a friend of mine asked me about six months into my learning journey, because I told him I was like obsessed with Korean. And so he was, uh, he was asking me about it. And at one point he said, how do you say left and right in Korean? And I didn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was after six months of learning Korean. So it, and, and I, at the time I was sort of trying this method and, and I was explaining to him how great it was. So it kind of, it made me look a bit bad to not, you know, know something so simple but the thing is, if he had asked me any number of other words except those two, I might have been able to answer because I'd picked up so much in those six months. It just didn't happen to be those two words. Right. I mean, interest precedes learning. And if you never really need to know left or right, there's no reason yeah. to have known that word. You know, That's, I'm sure yeah. even today there are words that we, they could people could ask. Like, How do you say this in Korean? I don't know. I've never had to say that before because yeah. it's just not part of my. You know, if, if someone were to ask me, like, how do you say anti-disestablishmentarianism in Korean? I, I've never had to say that in Korean. So oh, why would it. I know that? I've never read about that. I don't care. Yeah. No, it's exactly it. And so it, that's the thing. At first, it might seem very counterintuitive. But the funny thing is, is that after doing that very, like, um, I guess, using that very free approach to language learning, I found that after even about... I would say like three or four months I had because I checked the, at the university like what what the course books they were using and I went to the bookstore one time kind of flipped through them and I realized I had already surpassed what they were learning in their full two-year course after just three or four months of basically playing with Korean and it, it actually seemed easy whatever they were doing in the textbook it seemed like a piece of cake now because I was used to this insane environment I had created where I mean I was just watching stuff that was it was made for native speakers, basically, and trying not to use subtitles and all this stuff. So I had, I had created this environment, which was very harsh, very wicked, but it ended up making a lot of other situations seem much easier. Yeah. Let, let's give one more example that's not directly language learning related. So there's this method of teaching children how to ride bicycles that is kind of uh, out of the box. Maybe we could say like pagyokchok. We can use that kind of word, right? Kind of breaks your general assumptions about what's good. If I asked anybody around here how they learned how to ride a bike, I think they would say they started with training wheels. Training wheels 
really, I, I heard someone say this in another podcast, they create the illusion of riding a bicycle. They make you look like you're riding a bicycle and they make you feel like you're riding a bicycle or at least feel like you look like you're riding a bicycle. But the thing is, they don't actually teach you any of the skills you need to ride a bicycle, any of them. Even steering, the steering you're learning how to do with training wheels on is worthless because you're not getting any practice about um, you know, focusing your center of gravity or any of that kind of stuff. This new approach to learning how to ride a bicycle takes off the training wheels and takes off the pedals from a bicycle. And the first thing kids need to learn how to do going at a slow speed in the wicked, dangerous uh, environment of being able to fall over is they learn how to balance and they learn how to shift their weight and they learn how to turn the front handlebars in order to make a good solid turn in conjunction with controlling their where the their center of gravity is, being aware of it. And they're able to learn the difficult part of riding a bike much faster. So the thing is, they might fall over, but they also might not. And with Korean as well, with learning Korean, to bring it back to what we're here to talk about, I think what Matthew's getting at here, um, if I'm understanding correctly, is that play puts you in a situation where you might fail, which can be, you know, uh, unpleasant and embarrassing and discouraging and uh, all kinds of negativity, you know, comes along with failure, especially in something as human as communication. It's, embar- you know, especially the embarrassment. But you'll also learn more effectively because you've gone and sought what you're curious about and not sought the rules. You've sought the information. So I think with language learning, would you say that a kind environment for language learning would be like simulated through textbooks and things like that, trying to make it look like a kind environment? Yeah, because it's, it's like you said, it gives you the feeling that you're speaking the language or that you're understanding it. And you, in a sense, you are like sort of like when you're on the bike, too. I mean, you know, you are sitting on a bike and it is moving, but I don't know if we'd call that riding the bike because you've got those wheels that are doing most of it for you. <laughs> So it's, yeah. it is, it is sort of like understanding the language. It's just not how people are going to be speaking in a real environment. So I guess that's why play is so important is that it just gives you a real diversity and versatility of your, your skill set that you can apply to any situation because you won't be faced necessarily with that exact situation that came out in the textbook or in the online course or whatever. It might be something similar to it. But it can very easily throw you off if, for instance, the person you're talking to is older and they have maybe a raspier voice. You're having a hard time understanding. Maybe they speak a different dialect. Yeah. Um, they could they could be like a speaker next to your head and you're trying to order in a restaurant and there's just, you know, you can't really hear what they're saying. There's all kinds of different variables that could be present that will never come up. I mean, unless it were like the most comprehensive language course in existence, which is basically real life. That is the most intensive language course there is. So that's why I would argue that it's more effective to basically to, you know, quote unquote, play with the language to to just embrace that, the reality of it. Like it's okay at first if, if you, if you really don't feel comfortable breaking out of that textbook environment, of course, it's fine to just get a start with some training wheels, but just, I guess it's like you said, don't be afraid later on to make mistakes and to maybe fall off the bike once in a while, because in the end, you will end up actually a much better speaker. You'll be a better, better at understanding it, writing it like you will improve 
overall, like by far than just sticking to that one uh, course of action, like that one book or whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. So in practical terms, like I'll give an example, like what we talked about reading and uh, the last episode that we did together, like one thing that I believe I mentioned in that episode was um, something I like to do when I'm practicing reading is if I'm like, if I'm learning a new language and I'm having trouble with one thing, like it could be a book or an article or whatever, I'll just put it away for a while and I'll take whatever I can from it, whether it's maybe I just learned one word from the first sentence. Maybe that was, that was all I could handle was one sentence and then come back to it and could just kind of keep cycling between materials like that. So when one thing gets too hard, put it away. It's all right. Just, you know, follow it for as long as your enjoyment uh, lasts. And in doing that, by not obsessing over any one material for learning, you actually end up picking up a, a huge diversity of vocabulary, of grammar. You get exposed to all different types of like registers of speech, um, dialects that end up making that first thing that you were struggling with a lot easier. And this can be applied to anything, not just reading, of course. Like you can apply this to if you're, um, well, even when you're talking to people, like instead, it's great to have like a really close friend, of course, that you talk to all the time. I mean, that's that's really the ideal situation. But to really diversify the types of speech that you get used to hearing. And so you can really have a more like full understanding of the language, like get out there and just try to talk to as many different types of people as you can. Uh, different ages, uh, different parts of the country, if possible, just really to expose your ears to, you know, the full range or as much of it um, that's out there. And because that is the reality, like we were talking about, that is the, the wicked environment that is reality that you have to get used to for better or worse. So everybody, go outside, play more, learn everything, change direction, smell the flowers, taste the food, ask some questions. Stay curious. That's the most important thing for your language learning. I just want to say thank you to Matthew for, uh, you know, one more time for bringing me all the way out here to the studio. Uh, it's, you know, it's always great to be out here and it's always great to talk about this stuff with you. Yeah, thanks for making time to, to chat. All right, everyone. So to remind you of how to get in touch with us, uh, if you have a question or any thoughts about this episode of the Motivate Korean podcast, feel free to send us an email at podcast at motivatekorean.com. Uh, feel free to join our Motivate Korean Sutodibang on Facebook um, and uh, get in touch with other Korean learners there. We have some courses available for sale on our website. Uh, you can find that at motivatekorean.com. Uh, some, you know, some ways to play with the Korean language like hanta o. So talking about things like hanta uh, vocabulary, things based on the Chinese characters, kind of another direction of Korean that really kind of going off in another direction with another language, giving you an ability to learn more Korean. Um, things, you know, to practice your pronunciation, which is always fun and silly, um, especially for adults. And be sure to leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or, uh, you know, whatever kind of feedback you can give the podcast will uh, help us know what uh, you think about what we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. So on that note, uh, we will sign off and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you next time.